Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast, the most trusted name in local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Hello. And this is episode 168 now, and as Rob just reminded me before we came on air, very shortly, on February the 16th, two days after Valentine's Day, it will be this show's four-year anniversary, so we're going to have to do something special for him. We haven't even thought about it, Rob. Yeah, we need to do this to do something, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's always a really significant week for me, because it goes like this. You go, Valentine's Day... Podcast anniversary, my actual anniversary, my birthday. Speaking of, when, when you say your anniversary, you mean your anniversary out of wedlock. Uh, is, is that relevant? Yeah, I need to be specific. I'm working towards it. I mean, I realise I'm living in sin at this point in time, but you know. It's nothing to do with living in sin or not living in sin. It's just anniversaries typically, I believe, are a term used for after you're married. Right, okay. But nevertheless... <laughs> no, I'm only, I'm only joking around, Does of that course. mean we have to get married to validate the podcast anniversary? Uh, well, on that note, Rob, speaking about that, in the course of the past eight days, or whatever it is, I've received three separate texts from you that are peppered with kisses at the end, uh, about six of them. Right. Um, now, I actually, you know, when we used to do the campfire, Rob, and all the banter, I never realised that you actually felt about me that way. I didn't realise there was actually genuine Alex, affection. I don't know quite how to let, tell you this, Alex. but... It's a genuine oversight. I don't want to break it to you. You know, I this oversight to... hasn't happened before. So this week, have you been under a lot of stress? I assume? I have. Yes, and, and usually, what so is that how is... what you normally end your text to your girlfriend with that amount of exes? That's right. Yeah, right. yeah. and apparently some other random friends. Uh, oh, so you've been doing it yourself. to a few other people as well. I've just been... that that now I feel slightly jealous about that. I would have I would preferred if it had just been me and your girlfriend. Now I know it's lots of people. It's meaningless. Well, I've only said that because you haven't reciprocated. In You're very promiscuous with those exes. That's all I've got to say. I like to I like to spread the love, um, metaphorically sure. and literally. For anybody who's just tuning in, the podcast actually isn't just about me and Rob talking about this kind of stuff. The podcast is about local news, and when we say local news, we mean strange, funny, banal, weird local news that Rob and I discover every week, and we have listener stories submitted every week. We've got one this week, as we have in all of our previous episodes. Is that correct, Rob? Yes, it is. And there'll be full details of how you can contact us, our website, our email address, everything, at the end of the episode. I was just thinking, do we have a listener story in the very first episode? No, no, we didn't. We we had no, no, Rob. We had to wait quite a few episodes. For, how how could we have had a listener story in the first episode, <laughs> you muppet? Nobody knew the podcast no, I... existed. Well, I think it wasn't until about episode twenty we started getting listener really? stories through. Yeah, oh. but because for a long time we weren't under the new and noteworthy section in Apple's iTunes store, which meant somebody That's at right, Apple was yeah. listening to us, and then it rapidly disappeared. Well, we can't. You can't be under new and noteworthy forever. You can't be under new and noteworthy when you're approaching your four year. Podcast I think anniversary. We were only there for about two weeks. No, we were there for a long time, Rob. Okay. We were there for a long time. You Sorry, right. listeners. You always downplay everything. You're right. It's an Sorry. annoying thing about you. I just feel like a failure. Yeah, I know, but don't drag me into it. Right. You're a failure. I'm not. Now, let's. And we're both successful. That's basically how this podcast goes. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Now, Rob, look, let's start off there because I've got some cracking stories to start us off with. Um, oh, it's where to start. Okay, I'm going to start with this story. It's from the new shopper. It was today um, by Hattie Collier. And the headline is, From a prosthetic leg to £15,000 in cash, the bizarre items left on London's travel network. Which I thought Amazing. would interest you because you are you're interested in transportation, specifically trains. Yeah, I like to refer to myself as a, a tubist. Right. Here's the story. A prosthetic leg, a life-size Spider-Man doll... And, in quotes, enough musical instruments to form a band are just some of the bizarre items lost on London's travel network. Now, is it me, Rob? Because I often have a feeling that the people in the new shop are trying to get 
one of their phrases into our episode title. Yeah. But I is it me or true. does a prosthetic leg, life-size Superman doll and enough musical instruments to form a band? Is that not a cracking episode title? I don't think we're going to beat it this week. Well, let's, well not beating anything this week, are we? I, told <laughs> you, I thought the X's were... Oh, Jesus Christ. Let's get on with the story. <laughs> More than 300,000 items were left on the capital's trains and buses last year as Transport for London received a record haul of missing goods. Other peculiar finds included 15 grand in cash in a brown envelope and an urn of ashes which had been kept by workers at Lost Property Office for almost seven years. Why would you keep that? And also, I'm sorry, but yeah, 15... well, In case somebody claims it. Yeah, yeah, 15,000 pounds in cash. To leave that and not claim it is fairly extraordinary. And also, I, I, I could do bet... with 15,000 pounds. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, that would come in handy. I mean, I, if it's in an envelope, it, it can't be anything other than illegal, surely. I can't imagine someone's taking that to a property transaction. Surely that has to be... Ill- Why would it be illegal? Gates? If you're carrying around 15,000 pounds, what are you going to carry it around in a briefcase... Yeah, of course you do. You carry a briefcase. Last year, 22% of the 302,714,000 items handed in were returned to their rightful owners. So oh, wow. it's 22%, including the urn and the cash. Oh, that's good to know. Oh, so after seven years, they managed to locate the urn. <laughs> do you reckon they oh, did? Uh, do you reckon they did some sort of DNA testing on the ashes? I think they Does your it... DNA last into the ashes? Can you be identified by your ashes? That's a really good question. I think you probably would be able to, yeah. If anybody knows, whatever you think, you don't know. If anybody knows the answer to that, I would love you to text us. Because I think, yeah, you must be able to, because you'll be able to distract, to detract even, what is DNA from all the other, like, you know... Yeah, but I don't know if DNA coffee. burns up. Good question. Thousands of tablets, umbrellas, and one of a few minutes says tablets. It is as in tablet devices, not actually just slate tablets. You never know. The Ten Commandments could have been left there, for example. <laughs> and wallets were also handed into TFL's lost property, described as a wonder emporium by manager Paul Cowan. A wonder. I mean, that's a good episode. Welcome to my London Underground's wonder emporium. He has to be some sort of eccentric man, doesn't he? Yeah, like Charlie. Tried to talk Charlie his job. Chocolate up. Factory, yeah, yeah, exactly. Alongside the daily haul of around 150 mobile phones. 150 mobile phones a day. day. Yeah. The office has also re- received a full-size house carpet. What? <laughs> a judge's wig. Amazing. And, and a horde of musical instruments, including drum kits. Can I say there is another episode title there? Yeah. A full-size house carpet, a judge's wig, and a horde of musical instruments, including drum kits. I like that as well. I don't know that, if that's better. Oh yeah, that is good. The number of properties lost is fascinating, he says. Every day we're getting well over 1,200 items of property found across the network. It's staggering. What's to stop you just going in there then and taking a punt? I left a iPhone five on the train this week. No, see, you'd have to you'd have to do something that's more obscure because iPhone. No, I mean taking a punt to, so you could just get a free iPhone. No, I know, but they would then go through and say, "Well, unlock it" or something yeah, like okay. this. They'd have to do something to verify that. If you went for something really obscure, pearl necklace, a diamond ring, a diamond ring. I don't think they keep pearl necklaces in here. You just wipe them and clean. Um, I mean, if you went for the house carpet, for instance. A pearl necklace. But I don't want a house carpet. A diamond <laughs> ring, something valuable. If you go and say, I lost the diamond ring last in a month, in a month, last month, and then you get a free diamond ring out of it, maybe. Mm. The volume continues to go up as a number of... Uh, actually, can I tell it? Can I, you confessed about killing a cat last week. Can I make a confession? I forgot also? about that. Can I make a confession? Please do. I had a hospital appointment about six months ago, I think it was, maybe five months ago, and I was devastated to find out that I had forgotten my earphones. Mm. The reason I was devastated by this as I, as I was on the way there was that going to this hospital appointment, and I've been to quite a few of them in the past, means that you have to wait an incredibly long time. Absolutely. And for the, I was very dependent mm. on these earphones. Not have it, and there was nowhere to stop and buy earphones on the way. Nowhere. Do you know what? I am completely with you on this. I've actually, I've actually been halfway to the station and turned back before. I oh, I've done that many times. I have and bought I, headphones, I have as, bought well. headphones yeah. as well. Right. I can't live without them. So I couldn't do that. So what I did was, I thought, right, 
and I walked up confidently to the receptionist in the hospital and said, "I well, the last time I was here, I believe I left a pair of earphones, and I just said I lost, I left the white Apple ones because they're the, so ubiquitous." And I thought, in the past six months, somebody's bound to have put their hand into lost property, a, a pair of white earphones. And the, yeah, that's and fair. the plan was then that. They would say, yes, yes, you know, we've got a pair given to me so I could use them for the duration of the time and then i just conveniently leave them there again. Do you see what I mean? To go back into lost property. Alex, they've been in someone else's ears. Oh, I'm not bothered about that, Rob. Okay. I'll wipe them clean. <laughs> These must. But then it, it, it left, it went into a big furore, you know, she had to get the security guy down, he went into a room, it all, I was standing there for half an hour where he went through everything, <laughs> asked for a description of them, the date and time that I lost them and in the end, they didn't have a pair. He went, no, no, we haven't got anything in that description, mate. No, sorry. Amazing. So after all that, but what a what what a, what a coup that would have been, but I pulled it off. You know, I felt like the face man from the A Team. I know it's a very dated reference, but um, that's the kind of thing he used to do. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry about that tangent. I don't know that I need to read any more of that story. I think you get the jig, uh, the jig, the gist. I mean, j- just a brief list of things that have been left: an urn of ashes, um, the ashes of Thomas Frederick Johnson. They were. Right, don't know okay. who he is. Kept in lost property office for seven years as workers tried to reunite it with the family. Eventually, a call from Canada came and the family connected, collected him to a... Canada? Delight, yeah. A prosthetic leg. Mm. Possibly the hardest item to lose on the tube, but someone managed it. The limb, which runs up to the knee, is still wearing a trainer with tied laces. Amazing. A full-sized house carpet. A 1980s Motorola mobile phone with a hefty battery pack. Life-size stuffed Superman doll. Hundreds of cuddly toys go through the doors of lost property. Amazing. Someone misplaced a Spider-Man doll, which now hangs from the ceiling of one of the storage basements. Lovely. And a hairdresser's mannequin. Yeah, I mean, what I don't understand, the, the larger items, surely you can't miss these. If you have a mannequin, and what, what stage you realise, actually, there, there was something I was carrying. What was that? You might what? not remember where you lost it. Yeah, I suppose so. If Possibly. Right, now, Rob, all the way down to Bournemouth, Dorset, that kind of area. My father sent me, in fact, I've got three stories from my father this week, which don't constitute listener stories because he is a family member. <laughs> what, what's the shame about this is he sends me these things. He's never listened to the podcast. When I was last with my parents, I tried to play my mum the podcast. Mm. Um, and my sister, it was, it was sort of reasonably late at night and they were just sitting on the couch doing something. And I said, oh, you know, just have a listen. Didn't even crack a smile, Rob. My mum just, <laughs> just looked bemused. That's, that really upsets me. I know, and I can't understand why. These are people who watch Have I Got News View, and I'm not dissing Have I Got News View. It's a great, great show, but I don't really understand why they cannot appreciate the humour of these very strange stories. I mean, I realise that uh, not everything we cover is humorous, but I like to think there is some comedy involved in this podcast at some stage. Yeah, I think if they are pensioners now, and maybe, you know, maybe... maybe, The faculties are going. Maybe it was the swearing and sexual innuendo that put them off. Right, yeah, that that would make sense. This was the 21st of January. No journalists. It's a great story. Spotted Wilson Dorset bus in... Dot, dot, dot. Where do you think it was spotted? Devon? No. Uh, Hampshire? Okay, go further afield, Rob. Uh, Cornwall? Further afield than that. Argentina? San Francisco. Oh, hey! <laughs> a Wilson Dorset double decker bus has been spotted detouring from its usual route, picking up passengers in California. Can I ask, are the Wilson buses still painted the, that horrible orange and black colour? No, they're painted red and blue. Oh. The 25-year-old double-decker was... Oh, you geek. The 25-year-old... I didn't even know what a Wilson Dorset bus was, but anyway, listen. The 25-year-old double-decker was observed as looking a little... 
25-year-old double-decker is reference to a bus, by the way, not a person, was observed as looking a little lost in San Francisco by passers-by. Caroline Faraday, a former BBC Radio Firefly presenter, tweeted a snap of it in the city centre. She said, I can't help but think this Wiltshire and Dorset bus, complete with UK adverts, is a little lost in San Fran. Dan Castle said he was speechless when he saw it pass by and added, it's even even says it's going to Christchurch, which is where my near my own parents live. Chief executive of the bus operator, Andrew Wickham, said the bus was one of a fleet shipped over to the United States 18 months ago. We sold eight of them to a company in Bristol and they were bought by the British Bus Company in San Diego. They were shipped over to Brunswick, Georgia first, and then a band of hardy souls drove them 2,800 miles to San Diego. One of the chaps told me they made the journey with no difficulties, which is a testament to how diligently we maintain our buses. Wimborne resident Graham Wall spotted one of the buses while visiting the Golden Gate Bridge. He said he was amazed when he saw it. We're on holiday earlier this month visiting our son who lives in San Francisco. We parked the car in a car park and walked across the bridge. We were amazed to find on our return a Wilson Dorset bus park there. I've been showing everybody at work the photo, he added. Mr Wickham said the buses had been adapted to board passengers from the right-hand side, but they had kept their Wilson Dorset livery, including their school bus signs. The Americans really love anything British, he says. These buses are in regular use. They go all over the place doing tours and promotional visits. We have two more, which will be off in the spring when they're replaced here. He said it's nice to see them retire in the sun of California, where the weather is even better than in Bournemouth. Um, some comments, Rob. Just I mean, this, that's, just, that's just an absurd scene, first of all. It is. Uh, Pelagic says, probably stolen. Uh, Chris <laughs> right. J159 says, no doubt being mostly red, it'll be touted as a genuine London bus. That's probably fair. 60 plus says, oh, that's why my bus was late. Get it? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Coop DeVille says, I've been waiting in Christchurch for ages for the San Francisco bus. <laughs> Which, uh, That's just my thought. I thought I can imagine that Wilson Dawson may capitalise on this, although it's quite a long journey. Now, Rob. Oh, I should have checked actually. Last week we had a bad news animal story about a uh, cat that was uh, left on the roof of a car. Oh yes, that's right. And we speculated that uh, it was dead. Yeah. Um, I have not seen if there's been an update. I should have done. But Rob, there's more pressing news from the 26th of January, and uh, this is a warning for any listeners who don't like the bad news animal stories. A bad news animal story is approaching, so if you don't want to hear it, you know, just take your headphones off now or mute mute now and come Sorry. back in about five. 168 minutes. episodes in and you feel that we need to give a warning. Now I do, yes, Rob. For this. Is it that horrific? Well, you be the <coughs> judge. It's by Jess Bell. Two cats beheaded in Crystal Palace. Has the Croydon Cacula struck again? I've read this story. Yeah, but our listeners haven't, right? No, that's true, yeah. I don't give a shit. And do you know why I didn't feature it? Because it's too horrific. <laughs> the notorious Croydon cat killer may have struck in Crystal Palace as police investigate reports of two more felines and a fox found beheaded. A street cleaner reportedly made the grim discovery between 5.30am and 6am on Monday, January 18th. Sorry, did, did someone accidentally behead a fox thinking it was a cat? No, maybe there were no cats around, but they still they still had the blood lost. The urge to kill, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Met Police confirmed that a PSCO on routine patrol in the Crystal Palace area received a report of two cats discovered in adjacent streets and a fox killed nearby, all in a 200-metre radius of each other near Stony Lane. The animals reportedly found include a black and white white cat in St. Albans, not that St. Albans, it's spelt differently, a tabby cat in Coxwell Road and a fox in Stony Lane. However, police were unable to recover the decapitated bodies, which were binned soon after they were discovered. Who binned them? Well, <laughs> that, that makes me suspicious about this street cleaner. Yeah. A spokesman person for the Met said the officer who has been dealing with the spate of cat killings around Croydon is investigating the latest discoveries in Crystal Palace, as well as working with the South Norwood Animal Rescue and Liberty. Now, they are a group. They're called South Norwood Animal Rescue and Liberty, and the acronym is SNARL. <laughs> and you feel that they wanted to, to shoehorn something into an acronym that was SNARL. Yeah. Because... South Norwood Animal Rescue and Liberty, shouldn't it be group? Shouldn't it be Snog? 
Anyway. That doesn't make any sense. Can also say that the, whoever drew the short straw in the police station yeah. saying, "Can you investigate this cat?" This cat. Well, I was thinking, Rob, you and me for a time were woodland murder animal detectives. Well, yeah, given allegedly. that, I know that this is not a woodland case, but. Do we not have a significant amount of expertise to bring to bear to this case? I mean, I think it's fair could to we say... Not go, could we not hunt the killer down as vigilantes? Alex, let's, let's just recap. I mean, first of all, we solved no crimes. Uh, secondly, we actually have... Virtually... Did we attempt to solve any crimes? To be no, clear? that's true. Right. Uh, second of all, we literally have no expertise whatsoever. So yes, we could easily uh, investigate these murders. Also, it would give vigilantes. us an opportunity to get some more business cards printed up. I mean, I don't think we should put them near the corpse. That kind of gives the wrong impression. <laughs> The pair, the pair behind I mean, Snarl... that's an extreme promotion. <laughs> the pair behind Snarl, a South Norwood-based animal rescue centre, believe at least eight killings in South London as well as one in Charlton have been linked to the cat killer. They've also highlighted 32 historic cases in Croydon and... 32? Yeah. In a bid to catch the culprit and then bring them to justice, they have raised £5,000, which is a pitiful amount, I'm sorry, to fund forensic analysis on the dead animals' bodies. I can tell you what happens to the nerd were ripped off. Yeah. The DNA analysis will be passed to the police as they continue to investigate the killings. Meanwhile, animal charity PETA have offered £2,000 reward for information. Oh, wow. Now are you interested? To lead to the arrest of the so-called Cat Ripper of Croydon. Oh, Jesus. Um, Hang on. PETA, am I pronouncing it right, yeah? PETA. Yeah, PETA, yeah. Associate Director Elisa Allen said, The pain and fear that any of these cats experience is unimaginable. So it's imperative that any community faced with such sadistic and violent acts take measures to find the culprit and bring him or her to justice. Animal abusers are a danger to everyone. They take their issues out on whoever is available to them, human or non-human, and must be caught before they act again. Very early in this uh, this podcast, we uh, discussed a certain theory called the graduation theory. Oh, you mean back when we first started the podcast, the graduation theory of killing? Yeah. Which is what? That you start off small. Yeah, you start, well, I think we said like, so you start off something like a stoat or a vole. No, no, like, like a, a, green, a green fly. Oh, green, oh okay. Well, green fly, yeah. you know, like you could go up through the insects, then you'd maybe move to a, a mammal. Yep. So you might kill a mouse or a vole. Then maybe a, then maybe you might go to like a cat. No, I think they'd be, you go, go ferret, yeah. cat, then Fox. dog. Yeah. I mean, because you know, can I say this graduation of theory came from the fact that when we had these bad news animal stories in the past, you had lots of professors going on to say, to basically say that eventually they're going to start killing humans, yeah. which implies there's some sort of graduation. So we said, well, surely before you get to humans, you have to go through all these animals. You have to, <laughs> so after cat or dog, you know, you have to keep going up, up until you reach animals like panda. Yeah. Panda, <laughs> then I don't know. Elephant. Elephant. <laughs> Whale. But obviously, I suppose what they're saying. And then you get is- bored, and then a human. Well, what they're saying is that if you can't take those logical steps, then you just go cat, fox, baby. Right. Um, some uh, comments. Paul, well, maybe a toddler, actually. Paul, but Rob, stop now. <laughs> God almighty, this is taking a dark turn. Paul C says, for such crime... Now, now, now Rob, if the, I just want to ask you, is this or is this not an overreaction? Right. Paul C simply says, for such crimes, there should be the death penalty. Yes. I don't think as a society... I know this is horrific, and I'm not condoning it, but I'm not sure that we should... In If we're going to reintroduce the death penalty, I don't think it should be for cat beheadings. No, I think that um, uh, for mass murder, yes. Oh, you do agree with the death penalty? No, I don't agree no, with the death penalty. I'm saying what, what cr- crimes would potentially merit that if it were a deterrent. Which well, this is, is mass murder of, of cats. Yes, but not people. Um, I mean, I'm sure cats have feelings too. Rob. I'm well aware of that. And I'm a, I'm a, this is this can is what's so horrific about last week. Okay. I am a cat lover, and that, that Rob, can that I paint you death? A, Rob, can I paint you a picture? I still cry at night. 
Can I paint you a, a picture, Rob? Yeah, of course you can. A hypothetical scenario. One day you're at work, okay, and you're on your way home and you get a call from Sarah who sounds tearful mm. and she says you need to get home quickly. Yeah. And you, you're worried and you yeah. get home and when she opens the door, she's standing there and in each hand are the heads of both of your cats and she says she came home to discover both of them beheaded. Would you want the person who killed them to be put to death or maybe given some light community service? I like to feel that I am a liberal soul. Um, who he looked has, very angry when I painted that picture. Yeah, mainly because I was with my cat when it died last year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think I may want to seek some sort of retribution. <laughs> death penalty? Uh, I mean, I, I do have a, a sword in the house, uh, so I think I would take matters into my own hands. Hmm. You could, of course, just put the heads back on with sort of um, gaffer tape. <laughs> right. Okay. So you're suggesting still be a I take the, the limp, dead corpses of my cat, gaffer tape the heads back on. I mean, I'm just getting they're you not going to stop them again, are they? <laughs> when, our, when our family's cat died. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Rab IT says, I disagree. You can put chopsticks down the legs. Yeah, oh, God. Rab IT says, I disagree with I mean, that's a talking point, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, I disagree with the death penalty. Too many people have been wrongly convicted on dodgy evidence and have later been found to be innocent. I love the fact that he's taking this suggestion seriously. Yeah. Um, Paul Sy says, Am I also reading this correctly? There is only one officer assigned to deal with it. James Thompson 631 says, Who is this sick bastard driving around at night and looking for cats to kill? Completely disgusting. I hope when they do get caught, someone decapitates their head off. See how they like it. Enough said. And that's just great logic, Rob. How does he know they drive around at night? Oh, doing I wondered that. Rob, how do we know these cats have been murdered? Is there not another very much more simple explanation? No, Alex. Their heads might have just fallen off. <laughs> right. No? I think they're maybe slightly more involved. I mean, it's. Pe- I suppose it all depends they could have got on- their heads caught in. Uh, I don't what, know. Like they a- pulled their own head off. <laughs> yeah, they could have got it caught. No, listen, they could have got it caught in like one of those cola bottle holder things. You know, like you know the four packs that people. The ones that you're not supposed sit. to throw in the sea because yeah. like dolphin. It, it, it got caught in that or in a fence or something, and then it, it gradually strangled, and that and all the blood supply stopped, and that meant the neck became loose and floppy, and over a series of time, it just fell off. Or maybe a child pulled it, you know, thinking what's going on. I think that could be the explanation. Well, I think we've ended, we should end this story. Okay, Rob, we're, we're running way over because we've been going off on tangents. But that's fine. It's your, it's your story, Rob. What have you got? Hooray. Um, well, I saw this on Twitter, actually. Uh, I tried to find the original story from the Chichester Observer. Um... But it is a good story. This actually came from the Evening Standard, this particular story. Rob, I've got a question for you. I don't know where this idea, the question came from, and it's completely not relevant. Have you ever considered the idea of you and me playing poker one night for money? <laughs> what? <laughs> Just a question. Can you play poker? I don't know. We could both learn. I, oh, I can play poker. You can teach I me. I have a poker set. Do you? Yeah. I mean, oh, this we're is... talking about the same thing, Rob. Uh, <laughs> Yes, we are. Texas Hold'em, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So where we hold each other's... Uh, no, 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 not that. No, okay, uh, okay. Well, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, on to the story. We can talk about this another time. Yeah, we can record that. You know, yeah. that's yeah. going to be a different podcast. <laughs> that would be actually a great idea for a podcast. I don't think it would, Al. I do. <laughs> for one-off, a special. That could be our four-year anniversary. Rob but, loses a lot of money. There's <laughs> <laughs> well, only so much bluffing you could do over a microphone. <laughs> anyway, so this is from the Evening sorry. Standard. It's from February the 4th. Evening Standard? Yeah. Right, okay. So, okay, headline. 
Waitrose Cafe swaps China for paper plates in most middle-class row ever. Oh, God. Okay, uh, I, I do have to, have to declare an interest. I did used to be an employee of the John Lewis partnership and worked for Waitrose. Yeah, you used to work on the fish don't, don't reveal... Delicatessen and occasionally the feet, the, the, the fish and meat counter. But I, Alex, there's nothing ashamed to say you worked on the fish counter. <laughs> just because you stank of fish. Get on with the fucking story. <laughs> Waitrose regulars have threatened to boycott a store over its move to ditch uh, China plates and replace them with paper ones. I don't know what their fucking problem is. Waitrose customers get free fucking coffee for being wait. Do you know that? You can yes, walk I was aware of this, yeah. Mm. But they, they, just, they deserve a better quality of service because they're better people, Alex. They are. They are better people. That is, that is true. Yeah. Um, customer of a branch of the supermarket in Chichester, West Sussex, reportedly complained to management in what's been dubbed the most middle-class row ever. And a real first-world problem. Exactly. <laughs> so, coffee in the store at a cafe is now dispensed in paper cups and customers are made to sit on wipe-clean wooden chairs instead of luxury sofas. Sorry, this is a cafe? Uh, yes. I've never seen a cafe in Waitrose. Okay. <laughs> now you're just wipe clean wooden chairs. What a brilliant phrase! It's unnecessarily sp- specific. You can kind well, of imply that something else might be going on in these shows. Well, I think it's because you're drinking coffee or tea, you could spill it, or you could soil yourself. It's probably fair, yeah. You could soil yourself in Waitrose quite easily. <laughs> but it'd be, a better, it'd be a better quality of shit, Rob. Yeah, you're right, Alex. You're it would right. be a sort of a quiver, you know. It would be it would be more like a sort of luxurious pate. Yeah, I can imagine the the, 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 the shits of most Waitrose customers would be uh, quite nutritious if you were to eat them because they're, they're filled with a better quality of food, you know, better quality of produce, food, yeah. that kind of thing. They're more, def- more solid. They definitely have nuts in them, but they wouldn't be peanuts. It would be cashews and pistachios. Mm, fair. Um, it comes after a cost of franchise moved out of the branch and Waitrose turned into their own cafe. Uh, one regular customer told the, the, uh, the Chichester Observer... If we go into Waitrose, you expect to be able to drink a cup of coffee from a real cup. Do you? You get that in Sainsbury's in Chichester. Yeah, but if you go to Starbucks or Costa, do you? Oh, I guess you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you see the use of paper plates and cups and wonder, what else are trying to cut back on? Another report was saying, we just enjoy coming here. It does. It would make me wonder if their meat was, you know, just left on the, the warehouse floor. You know, and kicked around by the staff. I would really wonder about the quality. If somebody gave me something to drink up a paper cup, it would make me question everything, Rob. Yeah, yeah. it would make me wonder if they had some sort of venereal disease, Rob. Right. Okay. Well, um, I mean, also, I think it would make you wonder that maybe these beautiful sort of uh, coffee beans from around the world, you know, from like Costa Rica and Brazil, maybe they, they've, they've started buying them from, I don't know, Middlesbrough. Yeah. Um, Not like coffee plants in Middlesbrough. Yeah, I mean, you, people don't know that. Look it up. It's yeah, true. yeah. It's the it's the, it's the uh, third world third third biggest exporter of coffee in the world, Middlesbrough. That's right. I think I think because they're in the Gulf Stream, they get a lot more sun than most parts of the UK, yeah. which people don't realise. No. Um, yeah, another point saying we enjoy coming here. We're not annoyed about using plastic cups, but we are, we are a little disappointed they don't provide proper cups. Others have branded the dispute the most middle class row ever. The the row spilled onto Twitter after the story broke. Uh, Mike Wingert said, The lack of China plates and cups at the Orchichester store is appalling. Has Rachel's been bought out by, by McDonald's? Yuck. Um, well, these people are annoying me. Why, Alex? These, these, these people exist. These are the they people that me when I used to work, They annoyed me when I used to work there. Or... Yeah. And probably near to your parents as well. Uh, although Waitress did reply saying, Hi, Mike. Thanks for the comment. I'll let the relevant team know of your feedback. Um... Another person says, of all the cities where people would cause an uproar over how Waitrose serves coffee, it had to be Chichester, which is a very middle-class part of Sussex. 
Um, and uh, just one comment from a Waitrose spokesman the feedback for customers is highly important to us and the comments we received will help shape any future plan you, you, it is bizarre because bearing in mind that Waitrose sell china and their homeware so it wouldn't really particularly put them out in this one cafe to use real china would it? Um, well I mean I think we need to keep this in perspective um, as we know there is uh, a lot of going on in the UK at the moment you know there, there's a lot of Poor families facing homelessness because of the uh, different... Because they've made the wrong choices in life, Rob, and haven't been aspirational enough, remember? Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Sorry, I keep forgetting that, yeah. Okay, Robert, it's time for general anaesthetic. Excuse me, I was, eat, I was eating there. I do apologise. Yeah, First time on the podcast ever. No, I don't think it is, actually. It's but, a delicious uh, piece of... Because you, ate, you ate those hot dogs in a can once live on air. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Now, I've got a number of stories, and I can't read them all out. So, therefore, I think I'm going to go with this one, because it's the most interesting. Okay. I've been talking a lot, as you know, recently about the DWP. I can't talk about them anymore because it's depressing me. Fair. But this is fascinating. It's by Richard Norton Taylor from The Guardian. Richard Norton Taylor? Yeah. For anybody like a Guardian columnist. Well, you'd be, nowadays, Rob, you'd be surprised. For yeah. anybody who doesn't know, our general anaesthetic feature is where I cover a national news story. Something often more sombre. Um, the headline is, Britain is at the centre of global mercenary industry, says Charity. It's really fascinating, this one. Britain, it's not, and it's not overly long either. Britain is the mercenary kingpin of global private military industry, which has been booming ever since the war on terror began 15 years ago, according to reports seen exclusively by The Guardian. And this is the traitorous Guardian, not the non-traitorous one that you report on. Oh, which, yeah. Which covers where? Uh, Epping Forest, Woodford. This is the national... Other areas. This is the national traitorous one. Right. The UK multinational G4S is now the world's largest private security company, and no fewer than 14 companies are based in Hereford, close to the headquarters of the SAS, from whose ranks at least 46 companies hire recruits, says the report by British-based charity War on Want, which I assume is about poverty. The huge increase in the number of private military and security companies with contracts running into billions of pounds signals the return of the, in quotes, dogs of war, mercenary era that followed the invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq, said John Hillary, executive director of War on Want. At the height of the occupation of Iraq, about 80 British companies operated in Iraq. There are now hundreds operating in areas of conflict around the world, bound only by a system of self-regulation. In Libya, UK companies led the way after the fall of Gaddafi in 2011, the report stated. The Security Contracting Network, a recruitment forum for the industry, posted a message in the days following Gaddafi's fall saying, there will be an uptick of activity as foreign oil companies scramble to get back to Libya. Follow the money and find your next job. Jesus Christ. Leading UK private military company Aegis Defence Services, now part of Garda World, Control Risks and Olive Group, are also among the top recruiters. Their senior executives and board are dominated by former military officers. Their chief executive, Aegis, for example, is former General Graham Binns, the one-time commander of British troops in Basra. G4S last year secured a contract of up to £188 million to provide security for the Bashar Gas Company and signed a five-year £100 million contract with the British Embassy in Afghanistan. Clients of G4S, whose annual turnover in Africa has reached £500 million, include Royal Dutch Shell and Anglo Gold Ashanti, War on Want reports. Sorry, so these companies have uh, basically a private army that Don't, aren't really held accountable. Correct. Foreign office spending on contracts with private UK security companies rose from 12.6 million in 2003 to 48.9 million in 2012, according to official figures. So that's foreign office are taking out contracts with these private security companies. 
and it's risen if only if they four had some times. Sort of, I don't know, Royal Army or something. I don't know. The use of private armies and floating armories by shipping companies is also growing, according to War and Want. Floating armories are ships harboured at sea, stacked with high-powered rifles and night vision goggles. More than half of the members of the Security Association for the Maritime Industry are British. Protection Vessels International Limited, a UK company, describes itself as the global leader in armed maritime security. It was set up in 2008 by senior former military figures with the express purpose, this is in quotes, of applying military standards of security, with a team drawn from the highest echelons of UK Royal Marines, UK Government Intelligence and Commerce. The Guardian, that's something you want together, isn't it? People from Commerce... UK government intelligence and Royal Marines. Yeah. The Guardian has reported how private security companies protecting ships against Somali pirates store their weapons on floating armories in international waters to avoid arms smuggling laws. In 2013, Whitehall issued 50 licenses for floating armories in the Indian Ocean and Gulf of Aden. Aden. Hillary of War and Want said private military contractors run amok, ran amok in Iraq and Afghanistan, leaving a trail of human rights abuses in their wake. Now we are seeing the alarming rise of mercenaries fighting on the front line in conflict zones across the world. It is the return of the dogs of war. He added, For too long this murky world of guns for hire has been allowed to grow unchecked. In letting the industry regulate itself, the government has failed. Only binding regulation will do. The time has come to ban these companies from operating in conflict zones and end the privatisation of war. Britain has signed up to an international code of conduct for private security service providers, laying down principles covering accountability to the law and human rights. However, it is voluntary. Now, when you're gonna, you know, when you're gonna make a code of conduct, Rob, and, and and that code of conduct relates to matters of war and killing people, yeah, it's probably a good idea for it to be not voluntary. Well, you'd think, yeah, because yeah. then there's because if it's voluntary, there's no way of prosecuting anybody. It's so not- if I'm in the army and do something horrific, yeah, or like the Nazis did, I can be pulled up to the Hague and I can be prosecuted. These guys can do whatever they want and are. Scott Free. Alex, I'm, I'm sure they're good eggs. I'm sure that if anything was to happen, if there was any sort of legal issue they got involved with, I'm sure they would voluntarily turn themselves over for the for the, the proper authorities and uh, and face um, face the music, I suppose. Uh, well, you're more hopeful than I am. The UN is drawing up plans for an international convention that is legally binding on private security and military companies, which is good news. Switzerland bans companies based in the country from operating in conflict zones. Probably a fair point, yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, Rob, I just wanted to report on that, despite it being quite sombre and, uh, you know, thought, just thought it was fascinating, really. Well, hugely alarming, you mean? <laughs> yeah, hugely alarming. But now let's get back to some, you know, something more jovial, Rob. This is a brilliant story. Okay. It was sent to me by my dad, who lives down in Bournemouth. It's from the Bournemouth Echo, where he lives down in Dorset, sorry. It was published today, no, or maybe yesterday. We are recording for the fastidious amongst you on the 4th of February 2016. Rob, this is a brilliant story. Okay. Dorset Wildlife Trust warns people not to feed squirrels after man bitten. The story is better than the headline. Right. <laughs> okay. One man... Okay, so there's a bit missing from this, uh, from this story. But one man who didn't want... To, so basically they're warning about not feeding tame squirrels after a series of incidents in Weymouth Park. One man who didn't want to be named told how a squirrel sank its teeth into his finger. He said, I went up to the Noth Gardens with my mum and dad, as they liked that oh. area, because of the squirrels are so tame. Oh, the Noth Garden? There was a man feeding them, and they were climbing all over him. He handed, them some of the fo- he handed some of the food to me so I could feed them, and one squirrel just came straight over and bit me. Imagine if it had been a small child. They, took- they look cute, but they're dangerous. Eleanor Samalik also enjoys walking at the Noth Gardens and took a friend to see the tame squirrels. 
but the pair were faced with what Elander describes as a gang of the creatures. Oh, Jesus. They looked like they were waiting for someone to come their way. We sat down they on were. a bench. They were. They waiting for food. We sat down on a bench and they surrounded us. They started jumping up aggressively and one bit my friend on her finger. She said, it was just like Alfred Hitchcock film, The Birds. <laughs> apart from it had squirrels. I told you the story. But apart from that, it had squirrels. Yet another victim said she was chased by squirrels at the Noth Gardens when she wasn't even attempting to feed them. So out of nowhere, a gang of squirrels chased her, Rob. The okay. woman, who did not want to be named, said I was walking along and they just came at me. It started as one, but they seemed to form a gang. I tried to shoot them away, but they wouldn't go. I tried walking away, but the faster I walked, the faster they came at me. They were chasing me. It was really scary. Can you imagine that image, Rob, of her slowly walking away from these squirrels and they start chasing her? She like starts doubling in numbers, yeah. yeah. She starts running. Can I also point out, I know this area really well, because I used to spend a lot of time down in Weymouth, and North Garden is a beautiful... Um, Irrelevant, but yes. Okay, yeah. I'm just trying to set the scene for our listeners. And uh, I, I was never accosted by a squirrel. I cost a few, but... Bryony Baxter, community officer for Dorset Wildlife Trust, urged people not to feed squirrels. She said, I know that some people find them cute and cuddly, and it might be the only wildlife they come into contact with, but they're quite a menace. If a squirrel is startled or gets overexcited about the food you are holding out, it is quite natural that it will bite. <laughs> How can you tell an overexcited squirrel? Well, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good question. Uh, there are some comments on this squirrel story. Uh, big... Alf from Sunny Bournemouth says, It's long overdue that the bounty on grey squirrels was brought back and kept until there are none left. Then the Reds will get the opportunity to recolonise. Maybe this is something we could bring those private military contractors into. Because they are effectively bounty hunters. Yep. So maybe those bounty hunters could get rid of the grey squirrels for us. Or if we can locate the man who's been heading all the cats, we've moved down to Dorset, you can have a film. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. Okay, everybody, it's time for our listener story of the week, Rob. But before that, we have been running a feature these last two weeks. It was started off when... Uh, Kyber, Kyber submitted a story, yeah, from the Dark Telegraph. From the Telegraph, um, which is called Cheapest Chips, which is a man who isn't even a journalist. He's a photographer sitting in a van outside chip shops, and, 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 and he has a video that runs for about a minute, minute 20 seconds, where he reviews chips from different shops. It's absolutely brilliant in how terrible it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we want to keep it going. And Kyber, I don't know what's happened to you, mate, because you should have been sending us these links. No, 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 to be fair, Kyber has been sending us other stories, but we did, I mean, Kyber, we did specifically ask that you send us these stories, so... Maybe he, maybe maybe that's his way of saying, I don't want the job, guys. I don't want to be your roving chip shop correspondent. It's just like Steve again. Give me something better than this. Yeah. Right, okay, here we go. So you want to watch it, Rob? Yep. This is, this week, it is Steve's Fish Bar in Alverston. Here we go. I do enjoy these. Hey Chip fans, oh, welcome to Cheapers Chips Derby, where I investigate the best and worst chips in your area. Today, thanks to your recommendations, I'm popping into Steve's Fish Bar. Rob, his presenting style's getting better. It is. Something a little bit extra about this place is that it's also got an eat-in diner. Fucking hell. Let's get in there. It's smart. Oh, it- Two minutes from purchase, let's find out. How hot these beauties He's are. pulled over on a lay-by this time. Yeah. This is not even opposite the shop. I think this is manic that's ice. fantastic 70 degrees. Fucking hell, that's Warmest good. yet. Rob, can I just pause this? Somebody has told him to be more enthusiastic. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to present such an, uh, you know, an illustrious feature as this, you need to be enthusiastic about your product. Right, here we go. So let's find out what you get for your £1.90. I've got them on the chip scale, and you get a huge... 700 grams. It's making me really that's hungry. That's really good value. So that's not a chip scale, it's just a scale. Let's find out how good these beauties are. Lovely. We've got good colour. 
You smell good. Let's get in there. Oh, I'm so hungry now. This man could be a sex offender. Why? That is a great chip. I'm really pleased with these. So to recap, they were the warmest we've had yet. It was a good portion size, and they taste fantastic. Five. As soon as I walked into Steve's five. Fish Bar, I was greeted with a nice big smile and really friendly service. It's a great little chip shop. Why doesn't he look at the camera when These he talks? These chips are just fantastic. I score them five out of wow. five. Tackle and Derby, one chip at a time. Looks like some fish there. Somebody has told him to be more enthusiastic because he is um, he's smiling quite quite inanely at the camera. What he also needs to be careful of, who's who's waving his middle finger around, seemingly unaware that he was just swearing directly at the camera. Yeah, what was the sex offender comment about? <laughs> you think he's got somebody bundled this in is, the back This of the is car? a man who drives around in his own custom-made van reviewing you chips. Custom-made van. He didn't he's make got it. a little table in there. That's true. Uh, there was quite quite prominent Volkswagen branding behind him. Yeah, as well. I didn't know. Are that. they sponsoring it? I mean, you never know, it's possible. Anyway, you I'll can look, run your car on chip oil if you want. Anyway. I believe so. We need to move on. We do, we really do. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, and because of what happened to all those cats, me and Rob have decided to visit uh, a cattery, is that? A ca- uh, well, a cat shelter. Cat- yeah, it could be a cattery. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, they are. Oh, little cat. See, he likes it, Rob, when yeah. I touch it there. <laughs> Purring. I don't think you should touch it just there. Yeah, it doesn't like it. Right, okay. Well, anyway, get on with... Well, all right. Yeah. Fuck you. I'll rip your fucking head off. Sorry. Sorry. I'm really sorry. Okay. I'm just... All right, I'm just impersonating a cat ripper. <laughs> Is there a reason that they didn't call it the pussy ripper, of course? Is there a- <laughs> yes, I think there's a there's a very legitimate reason they didn't call right, it I just wondered. <laughs> anyway, look. Going for cats. We're talking dogs now. Right. Not, not beheading them. This story was sent in by Craig. It's from the South Wales Argus. Craig! Yeah. Craig, if Craig is listening, how are you? How is the skip? How is the caravan? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, just let us know. Anyway, on with the story, right. Uh, journalist is uh, Francesca... Oh, it's digging its, claws. It's digging its claws into me. I think he likes you, Alex. Right, go on then. Who's the journalist? Uh, uh, Fra- where's this from? Craig Newport. No, oh, didn't we have one by Francesca before? No, Francesca was the woman. Francesca was the woman in the garden. Francesca was, forget it. Francesca was something else. It was from one of the story and you kept making jokes about Francesca who works in some garden with an aviary. And we were oh, oh, God. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the story is by Francesca Gillett. Headline. My dog ate my front door. Newport woman thought she'd been burgled. What do you mean it ate her front door? I love those two different... Those two sentences shouldn't be run together. No. Uh, a Newport woman went to the shops and returned to find her dog and eaten her front door. Uh, what do you mean? I'm well, getting on to that. Sherry Ann Lewis Hall, good name, 35, left home in uh, Lambourne Crescent in... Oh... Bits? Bets? I don't know. To buy some treats, toys and a new dog bear for her, her dog puppy, but returned to find her, her letterbox had been eaten. Poppy, a two-year-old... A metal letterbox. It doesn't say it's metal. It says it's a letterbox. Well, most letterboxes are made out of metal. They're not made out of, like, wood. That's a fair point. Um, Poppy, a two-year-old cross between an old English sheepdog and a German shepherd, had eaten the plastic letterbox, through, uh, leaving a hole. Rob, can I say I'm getting really confused with the cat noises and you're talking about dogs? It's very uncertain. Because I keep <laughs> imagining a cat. And then you said it was a cross between whatever it was, a sheepdog, and I thought, eh? Hey? Right, so, listeners, don't get confused. We're at a cattery... 
because we're trying to look after cats and prevent them being headed by the cat ripper yeah. of Croydon. Not see, the pussy ripper. That's a different thing. Different thing. See the first story that we talked about. But Rob is telling a story about dogs. Yeah, that's correct. So Sherry Ann Lewis Hall, a care assistant, said, I came back and as I pulled up, I thought, what on earth has happened to my door? My heart, my heart dropped. I thought, oh my God, I've been burgled. But then I thought, where's my letterbox? All of a sudden, Poppy's, Poppy's head popped through the letterbox hole. I sat in my car for five minutes in complete shock. And I thought, I'd best go face the music. Rip its head off. Again, Alex, that, that, that's inappropriate. I mean, is it? A dog's eating a letterbox and they need to rip its head off, is it? Well, it won't learn otherwise, Rob. I mean, yeah, well, it won't learn anything after you rip its head off, no. Well, it will if you get to take it back on, it will heal. Can I ask you a question? Right. If, if you chop your finger off... Yeah. You can, you can, and if you put it back on there, you know, with with the right medical stuff, it will heal back. Are you seriously going to no, ask no, this question? Yeah. Why doesn't it happen with the head? Because you sever all the like... vital arteries. Yeah. yeah. No, not yeah. just vital arteries. You sever all the nerve. Because it. It's so same... why can't it just a reattach? Cat, like a cat... if you if you put it in ice, why couldn't it reattach? The same way. Has that... anyone ever tried it? That's <laughs> what I'm asking. Has anyone ever tried it? Listeners, anybody... if anyone else tried it, you know, this let is us the know. problem with modern science. They don't think outside the box. Somebody should have said, "Let's try no. putting the head back on." Do you know, could do you, you know have what? a head transplant? Could we cut off both of our heads? I could be on your body, which would be horrendous, and you could be on my body, which would be a real boon for you. I tell you that. Yeah, uh, the, the, the trouble is, it's not really modern science. I think it's happened in the past. And they thought, well, you know, we tried it then, it didn't work, so it probably won't now either. Because I think small-minded. You... Yeah. Okay. Uh, I got the carrier bags out with the treats. She was all excited. She was running around in circles. And I just looked at my door. All the plastic had gone up the stairs in the living room. Poppy, who was nicknamed... So it was. It was a plastic letterbox. Yes, it was. That's, yeah. your, that's your fault for having a cheap-ass plastic letterbox. I mean, <laughs> don't knock her because she's got a cheap letterbox. Well, I am. Uh, again, not you for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Poppy, who was nicknamed Poppy the Destroyer, has just been spayed... Right, well, that's why. Yeah. She's been spayed two weeks early. And Mrs. Hall said she was, relaxing, uh, she was on relaxing tablets for... Calming her down. Did this woman spray the dog? Confused. Uh, I don't think so, no. I don't right. think she, there was any scissors involved. Um, I couldn't laugh. I couldn't cry. My mother of two, Hall, said it was bonkers. So is her name Hall or Hall? Hall. Right. It's uh, Sherry You're not Ann- pronouncing the L. Oh, sorry. It's Sherry and Lewis Hall. 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 Um, Mrs. Hall said she initially decided that the family couldn't keep Puppy at home. We spoke to the, the charity Dog... Sorry, the, we spoke to the dog chan. They spoke the dog charity Wuffles. <laughs> what a terrible name! I don't know what we'll call it. Wuffles. <laughs> Does it make any sense? No. What the fuck is Wuffles? Play on words of anything. And they said they would take her on. Miss Hall said that was on Wednesday. I spent two days crying, not eating, not sleeping. Well, because her letterbox was damaged. No, because she had to give the dog up. Why did she have to give the dog up? It didn't because kill a child. She decided she couldn't keep it in the family home. Uh, I made myself ill and more upset so I couldn't keep Why? it. I thought I was going to get, have to get rid of her. Uh, the family side is keep Poppy. Uh, <laughs> right. So, she's lovely. She's a good, good as gold, Mrs. Hall said. We just we just want to love her and She's be not loved. good as gold. She is. It's a playful thing to do. It hasn't really like a cat's head off, has it? It might have done. Uh, but uh, the moment you leave her, well, her nickname is Poppy the Destroyer. Um, a few comments for you. Um... Oh. oh Jesus Christ! Uh, Vitz eighty six says, uh, "Has she tried dog food yet?" So implying that she was feeding the. Uh, the oh, I thought they were making a reference about having a cheap letterbox. So assumed she was poor and was suggesting her some cheap food. <laughs> I think that's probably it. Um, cum cum br- cum broth. 
Brilliant. I wonder if the post's hand is okay. Could you do these in a Welsh accent? Oh, do you want me to try? Okay, all right. I can do a pretty good Welsh accent when I get into it. Okay, so Frigid Frog says, <coughs> My cat just ate my kitchen, and Geno's donor's out there. I need another £15,000 for a new, a new one. Kitchen, that is, not cat. Is this your new Delhi accent? That's <laughs> appalling. My Welsh accent is better. That was good. That was awful. Oh. Um, country snakes. <laughs> yeah, don't do it again. Okay, just once more. Let me no, try. Oh, no, I can do no, it better. No, I can't concentrate on the comment. Okay, uh, country snake man says. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I hope she withheld the treats. Um, I'm hoping that's reference to dog treats and nothing else. Yeah. I don't. I don't think you'd want that man putting his snake through your letterbox. That's all I can say. No, that's, um, that's a fair point. I'm g- let's leave this Catherine now, Rob. Because to be honest, these th- these cats they're a bit damaged and they smell a bit. But th- yeah, but th- we have to love them like all the other cats. Alex, nah, I can't be bothered. Okay. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> on that note, Rob, it's time for us to bring this. You're not a cat killer of Croydon, are you? No, uh, we have to bring this uh, episode of Local Anesthetic LA podcast to a close, Rob. And we look forward with a mixture of eager anticipation yet trepidation to our next episode, which will be episode 168, Rob, as we move ever more forward. Like here we go. Like like now, let me get to it myself. Like. Like I'm just gonna sit back. <coughs> like a woman seeing a gang of squirrels approaching her in a beautiful scenic vista, uh, and slowly walking away, only to find they're pursuing her with no legitimate reason, having to run and being scared or terrified of this. Just like that, we move ever more forward to our next episode. Um, All is left to say is. Do I, when do I give out the details of how people can find us? Do I do that after we say bye to the episode? You do tend to. I mean, you can do it any order you'd like. Okay, before we say bye to the episode, we can be found on our website, which is lapodcast.net. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash lapodcast. We're on Twitter at lapodcast. And we're on... Do I do Facebook? No, you do yes. Facebook, yeah. And, but you can also email us. So you can tweet us the story. You can post it on Facebook. You can download all of our previous episodes from iTunes, search for Alex and Rob or local news or even LA Podcast if you want. Uh, or you can email us at lapodcast.net at gmail.com. That's lapodcast.net at gmail.com. So, Rob, it's time now to say goodbye. This has been a corker of an episode. The episode is very happy and really wants to speak to you. Come on, episode. It's okay. He's not going to say anything bad. Bye, Rob. Had a great time this week. What's in his pocket? It's a cat head. Right, okay. I collect them. Where did you you get it, episode? Don't dob me in or rip your head off, you little shit. Bye. I'm going to cut you. He's gone. Good. Well, I guess that's... Yeah, you're right. I do normally say the podcast stuff after this. But never mind. God bless. Oh, and keep it local. (laughs)